0: Well, it is good to see everybody this morning. Everybody doing all right? Happy Labor Day. Isn't it nice that you don't have to labor on Labor Day? Uh, you like that? That's pretty quick. All right, while you're turning in your Bibles, if you will, to Malachi chapter 4, verse 4 through or 5 and 6, Malachi chapter 4, we're in a series called Spiritual Parenting. How many enjoyed the, the uh, outpouring last week? Did anybody go? Let me see your hand if you went. You know, we had almost 1,000 people here that night. It was amazing. It was packed. God was doing some great things. While you're turning there, I ran across this little story, heard about this man who was walking up to a country store. And as he walked up to the country store, there was a little boy sitting on the porch and a dog. And you know, he's in the south. He's like, huh, this is nice. And so he walks up to the little boy and he says, young man, he kind of leans down, young man, does your dog bite? the little boy looks up and says, no, sir, my dog does not bite. So he reaches out to pet the dog, and the dog attacks his hand and bites him. He pulls his hand back, and he's like, oh, it's like, young man, I thought you said that your dog doesn't bite. And the little boy looked up and said, yes, sir, that's what I said, but that's not my dog. <laughs> okay, I don't know what that has to do with anything. Why don't you stand to your feet? I just... Uh, He was expecting something and got something different. But let me tell you, I hope that your expectancy is high, because today God is going to continue this theme. We've been talking about spiritual parenting, that God has called us all to be responsible for somebody. Remember Paul said, imitate me like I imitate Christ, and Paul was someone, he cared about somebody else. He was responsible for somebody else. But today we're going to continue this theme one more week, and we're going to look at our theme verse, and let's all read it together. Those of you joining us online, why don't you read it as well? Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Let's read. You ready? Real loud. You ready, higher vision? See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else... I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Let's bow our heads. Holy Spirit, we need you today, right now, to speak to our hearts. Anoint every word that's spoken. Anoint our minds to receive, our hearts to receive truth. Lord, help us to be a culture of spiritual parents. In Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. You may be seated. We learned last week that in this passage, it begins with kind of a little key that unlocks what it means to turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the hearts of the children to the parents. And if you missed that message, I want to tell you, this, I believe, is a pivotal message for our church in the season we're in. I shared the story how that a few weeks ago, my father was at our house having dinner. And at, as the dinner ended, he looked at me and he said this with, a, with, a very, with tremendous seriousness, which many times he likes to joke around, but I could tell that there was something going on. And he looked at me and he said, Jared, he said, it's time for you to start seeing yourself as a spiritual father. And not only seeing it, you need to begin to declare it and you need to begin to say it among your church family. And I looked at him and I said, Dad, ah, it's hard for me because, you know, I feel like I'm a young man, I'm not older. You know, most of the time when you think of a spiritual father or a spiritual mother, you think of someone much older. I said, there's a lot of people in our church that are older than me, much, much older than me, (laughs) and um, I'm just teasing, Um, much, much wiser probably too. I said, so I see myself as an apostolic leader, but I don't always think of myself as an apostolic father. And he said, son, it's not about age. And I got to thinking about it. I became a dad when I was 23 or 24. It's not about age. It's about positioning. And what I began to learn is as dad began to speak that to me, in the second service that, that week, he got up and gave a word. And he said this. He said, God is raising up a culture of spiritual parenting, basically, in this house. Mothers, because a harvest is coming. And I want to tell you, I believe that God wants to release a harvest. Right now, we're seeing in our world so much disrest so much disunity, we're seeing people turning away from God, going into moral depravity, we're seeing people being killed for their faith, and in a season when sometimes people are questioning, God, are you there? Here's what the word promises, where sin abounds, grace does that much more abound. And so I believe harvest is coming like we've never seen it before, but we need spiritual parents And so he's turning. In fact, he says this, he says as we come closer to the return of Christ, the more he's going to move through the the idea of Elijah. And Elijah was a spiritual father to Elisha. He said he's going to turn the hearts of parents to their children. And there's a lot of people that disqualify themselves. You might be here, you might be watching online and think, well, I can't be a spiritual parent. Listen, all all that being a spiritual parent is, is saying I'm going to be responsible for somebody. And we learned last week three words that describe what it is to be a spiritual parent. Do you remember them? First of all, we have to care, we have to share, and we have to be committed to prayer. So we give of ourselves to others, we care for others, we're responsible to help others to continue to grow and mature and be what God wants them to be. As I began to think about this theme, I realized that really we'll never be the spiritual parent that God wants us to be if we don't first learn how to be a good spiritual child you'll never be a better dad if you don't learn how to be a better son you'll never be a better mother if you're not willing to be a better daughter y'all with me Next weekend we're going to talk about what it means to be a spiritual son or a daughter Last week, we talked about what does it mean to be a spiritual parent, and I want to encourage you, if you missed that, go back to YouTube or the HigherVisionChurch.com. watch what it means, because God is stirring up the heart of people to stand up. We had tons of people last week at the outpouring come forward to say, I want to be a spiritual parent. I want to make a, a difference in the life of someone. This week, we're going to talk about what it means to be a son or a daughter. So I want to give you looking at the story of Elijah. Because the way that the hearts are turned from the parents to the children and the children to the parents is through this message of the prophet Elijah. And he was a spiritual father. Remember, God took him to what he thought was a midlife crisis, but it really was a midlife shift. And God began to shift him and he said, now go and find your spiritual son, raise him up to be the next prophet. So I want to take the story of that calling of Elisha And I want to bring out some principles. You all with me today? You all awake today? All right. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Now, I want to give you a couple points. Write this down. The first characteristic of spiritual sons and daughters, of spiritual children, is number one, write this down, spiritual children are found working. Spiritual children are found working. You say, Pastor Jared, where do you get that? Well, let's go to the story. 1 Kings chapter 19. This is the calling of Elijah, calling his spiritual son, Elisha. Verse 19. So Elijah went up and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing... Everybody say "plowing." plowing. Plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over To him and threw his cloak across his shoulder. Here's what you need to know Elisha lived in a family that was wealthy. The reason we know that is because they had 12 yoke of oxen. Poor families may not even have one yoke of oxen, they had 12, which means they had a huge field, lots of land, because if it required 12 yoke of oxen, that means they had a big property, which probably means that they had a large pool of slaves, a lot of employees, a lot of slaves. So it tells us something about the character of this spiritual son because Elisha didn't have to be plowing in the field. He could have been back at home. He could have been managing and saying, hey, how are we doing? Okay, you're taking the next shift. Okay, you're taking the the sixth plow. You're taking the seventh plow. But instead, there was something about him that said, no, 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 I'm gonna be a part of this process. If I'm a son in this family, then I need to be participating. I need to be doing something. So it tells us that, listen, isn't it interesting that Elijah didn't find Elisha praying? He didn't find Elisha praying studying the the scripture he didn't find Elisha practicing his prophesying he found Elisha working in the field I think one of the greatest characteristics of you and I being positioned to fulfill our calling as a spiritual son or daughter and eventually to become a spiritual parent is to realize that we need to find a field and start working We need to plug in and use our gift. I think we tend to underestimate the value of working in the field. We tend to underestimate the value. I want to tell you, listen, when you begin to work in the field, that's one of the reasons why as a pastor, I'm always up here encouraging you, hey, find a place, get involved, plug in, get in a small group, start serving somewhere in some area of ministry. Why? Because when you get in the field and you start working, what happens is you position yourself for God to continue the process of growth and transformation in your life. It reminds me of when I was playing basketball, I moved to some. California and joined the basketball team and while I was there I I started playing and had some success and was doing very well my freshman year when I I jumped in on the team. In fact my first game I I came in and became the high scorer of that game as in fact I'd had one practice and you could tell the team was in trouble when I started the next game because they just didn't have a lot of players and so I came in I started playing and it was interesting because as the season progressed I had a lot of admiration towards the the, the varsity coach. The varsity coach was an amazing coach. In fact, he ended up going on to go to bigger schools and have a very successful coaching career. And he was just an amazing, almost father figure on the court. He tended to have this ability to draw out all of these great gifts. He raised up great players. And I'll never forget, my freshman year, we were playing um, a team in our league, and it was the... The second game, it was the junior varsity game, and I'll never forget, in the middle of watching that game, the, the, the varsity coach was sitting with all of the, the best players, you know, and he looks down at me. I happened to look up at him, and he says, you, Ming, come here. I was like, me? Have you ever have one of those? You ever have one of those moments where you're like, he's got to be talking to somebody else? So I went up, and I sat next to him, and he looked at me, and he said, Jared, he goes, I want you to do something. See number 52? He goes, I want you to watch him. So I started watching him. And after a little while, he says, I want you to know something. That young man is the best defensive player in the state of California. I was like, wow. (laughs) And then he looked at me and he said this. And he goes, Jared, you're going to be better than him. And then I was like, wow. And it went on to later in the season. He brought me all the way up to the varsity. And the point I'm making is it was by playing on the team that he recognized my potential. Had I never joined the team, have I, had I never got in the field and started working... He would have never seen my potential. I wouldn't have been positioned to have a spiritual father. And there's a lot of people that have this desire in their heart for spiritual mentoring, for spiritual coaching, for someone to believe in them. And they're running around all over the place asking people to mentor them, asking people to coach them. But I'm going to tell you, listen, that's not the process for you to be positioned to have spiritual authority in your life. Because the way that you position yourself for God to put the people in your life that you need to mature you and help you grow in your faith and in your relationships is you've got to get in the field and start working because spiritual children are found working in the field. Somebody say amen. In fact, I've seen that over the years. How strange would it be? Maybe you came from a home that didn't have a good father or mother and you went and hung out with a friend, and the friend invited you over for dinner, and as you're looking around, you're like, man, his dad is cool, and his mom is cool. Wouldn't it be weird to sit down at the table? They invited you to stay for dinner, and as you're sitting there, as they finish, you know, start eating the meal, you look at them and say, hey, you know what, this is great. Would you be my father and mother? <laughs> I mean, that would be weird, right? But you know we have people that do that all the time in the, in the church, They run from place to place where they see good things happening or they see people being successful and they're like, hey, would you be my mentor? Would you be my spiritual father? You know, almost always, as you look in scripture, spiritual fathering and mothering is initiated by the parent, not by the child. If you look at the story, Elijah, God put it in his heart to speak to Elisha. And the point I'm making, listen, if you've talked to someone, and maybe you're saying, well, pastor... You're confusing me because last week you told me a story about how you went to Pastor Jack Hayford and you asked him to pray for you that his mantle would come on you and you did it, why can't I do it? Well, let me tell you something. I never went to Pastor Jack Hayford and asked him to be my spiritual father. I went to Pastor Jack Hayford out of obedience to what God had told me and I asked him and was believing he was going to pray over me. And when he did that, because God spoke to his heart to do it, I didn't have to ask him. God put it in his heart and when it was done, we stood up and he said this to me. He said, Pastor Jared, I'm available for you whatever you need from me. And basically he said, if you need a spiritual father, I will be that for you. Now, why did that happen? First of all, God initiated it from the father to the son or the mother to the daughter. But here's why. It was because I was busy working in a field called higher vision called the Santa Clarita Valley. And God used that serving that positioning to awaken the heart of someone to say, I see something in you and I want to help it to grow. So i want to challenge us. And listen, if you've gone to someone, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but the point I'm saying is, why don't we shift our mentality? Instead of running around from here to there and buying this book and talking to this leader and asking that coach and going to them, why do not instead we just get in a field and say, give me the plow. Where do you need me to serve? And as you begin to serve and you begin to use your gifts and you begin to pour out your heart, you know what will happen? God will open up the doors. God will position you in a place where he'll put the people in your life that will help you to grow and succeed and be all that God has called you to be. Amen? Amen. You know, that idea, we can find it even with Jesus. I love what it says in John chapter 6, verse 65. It says, then he, Jesus, here's what he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. You know what this whole passage is talking about? It was talking about disciples and those that were going to follow him and those that were going to walk away. You know what Jesus said, right? He said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. In fact, you know the only disciple that we know of that asked Jesus to be a disciple instead of Jesus asking them to be a spiritual son? The only one that did, it didn't turn out so good. It was the rich young ruler. He said, can I follow you? And Jesus said, "Oh, okay. But then what did he do? He started to bring, which I'm going to talk about here in a minute, some things, some directions, some instruction, some correction. He said, go sell all that you have to the poor. And he didn't receive that instruction and he never followed. The point I want to make is simply this, is, is you get in a field and you serve. God will bring the people. He will position you for growth. I want to, I want to make one more statement about this idea of of spiritual children are working in the field. That's where they're found. It reminded me of another story in the Bible, and it's the story of the prodigal son. And many times in the story of the prodigal son, all all of our focus is on the prodigal and the father. But we forget that there was another guy in the story, and that was the sibling. It was the brother. And here's what I want you to know about the brother. The brother was faithful, found working in the field. In fact, when the party was thrown, he didn't want to come in. And where was he at? He was working in the field. Now, I want to just make an observation, and we're going to move on. But here's what's interesting. He was doing what I'm talking about. He got involved in the field. He worked faithfully. But here's the interesting part. The whole time, he never enjoyed a moment. Remember, he didn't want to come in. He said, I've been serving with you all these years. I've been working the plow all these years and you never threw a party for me and you never gave a fatted cap for me and my friends. Uh, anybody ever had one of those moments? Or? <laughs> and then what did the father say? The father said, you're right. This whole time, all of this was yours. Everything I have belongs to you. You could have had 20 parties by now. You could have celebrated with your friends. You could have enjoyed what you're doing. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Listen, working in the field doesn't have to be a joyless, you know, thing that you, you, you don't enjoy, you hate it, you just survive. Listen, God's saying to you today, get in the field and start working. And you know what? You'll enjoy it. if You you can have a, a, a party with the Father. You can have a party with your friends. You can have a great relationship with your brother. All of this is available to you if you'll just find the field, work in the field, and be happy doing what God has called you to do. But so many times we get focused on somebody else. And Sybil, you know, uh, rivalry begins to take place. And then we get so focused on somebody else and who their father is and their relationships and their blessings that the devil robs us from the joy of the field that we're in. And so what God is saying today is, listen, spiritual children, sons and daughters, they find their field, they start working, they do what God's told them to do, and as they do, they don't become jealous of somebody else. They enjoy their father, they enjoy their field. And listen, when you do that, you position yourself for God to come along and say, hey, you, come here, sit right here. See that guy right there? You're going to do more than he did. See that inheritance? You're going to have more than they ever had. God wants to bless you and I, but we'll never be a spiritual parent if we don't learn to be a spiritual child. Let somebody say, "Amen." That's good preaching. Amen. Good <laughs> preaching, Pastor Jerry. Good point. Okay, point number two. You ready? <laughs> Anybody having fun? All right, I am. We're in church, right? Could be in jail. Hallelujah. Okay, here we go. Hallelujah. Spiritual children are found working. Secondly, spiritual spiritual children respect authority. It says in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 20, Elisha, as soon as Elijah put the mantle on him, right? Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, go on back but think about what I have done to you. Here's what this little verse tells us. It tells us that Elisha understood and respected authority. In two ways. Number one, he didn't say, oh, thank you for putting this on me, but you know what, I'm, I'm working right now. Maybe in a little while, when I get a chance and I put the plow away and I take the animals and, and put them back in the stall and I've gone and I've done some stuff and I've taken care of them and I've sent some emails. I made sure I sent out a Twitter to notify everybody and uh, I Instagrammed and you know, put a picture of me in the field with uh, my spiritual father. Then, I, no, he said, right now, I'm gonna step away from what I'm doing. I'm coming to you and I'm even gonna say this. And this seems like, wow, this is over the top. Is it okay if I go back and tell my family that I'm going to leave, that I'm going to serve and follow the leading that God has for me as a spiritual, you being a spiritual father in my life? He respected authority. And he even tells us that he respected his parents because what did he say? He said, listen, is it okay? I want to go and kiss my father. In fact, this is just an intriguing side note, but isn't it interesting that he was driving the 12th pair of oxen you know why that's intriguing in this point because 12 is a number that represents authority in government you know he could have said well hey it's early you know we got 12 we got a lot of field to plow there are 12 plows that got to. you know and listen i'm the sun and so i'm going to take the first plow before it gets hot no he took the last one in the heat of the day I think that there's an innate heart that Elisha had which says I respect spiritual authority. I respect authority. Spiritual children respect authority. You know it kind of reminds me of a story I heard the story about this pastor. His name was uh, Pastor Johnson and he went over with his family to have dinner with another family in the church and it was an, a couple that were grandparents. And so when they sat down at the table, the grandparents come walking out with the food and it's dessert. And everybody at the table kind of of start looking around, and and they said, so here's the rule of our house. They said, you have to eat all of your dessert, or you're not going to get any dinner. (laughs) And as soon as they said that, Pastor Johnson said, all of his kids were like, and they look at their dad, and they're like, and their dad, because he said, that's not the way we did it at our house. He said, but they're Dad looked, they looked at their dad, and so Pastor Johnson looked at his kids and he said, listen, we're in their house, so you better eat all your dessert, or you're not going to get your dinner. And you could tell they're all like, yeah! And so they ate their dessert, and then they ate their dinner, and he said they've been doing it ever since. You know, I, I told that story, here's what I love about that story, is those children understood Authority. Because the moment something happened that they weren't sure of, the moment they were put in a situation where they needed to know where to go and what to do, rather than saying, oh, I know what's best. I loved sweets. They looked to spiritual authority. Let me ask you a question. When you face a challenging situation, when you don't know what to do, do you like to flip the coin? Do you like to Google? Or do you look to spiritual authority? That's a good point. Somebody say amen. Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. You can take it or leave it. Reminds me of a story in the Bible about three sons. And here's what's interesting. Their dad blew it. His name was Noah. He'd done some good things. He'd built the ark. He'd saved the world. But when they got done with this massive thing that they had done, he had a weak moment and he got drunk and he was laying in his tent, drunk and naked. And one of the sons came along and when he saw his dad drunk and naked, he left the tent running through the camp, going, Dad is drunk and naked! Exposing his father's weakness. But there were two other sons who understood what it means to respect authority. So they went to the tent, and they didn't even look in the tent to see him there. They grabbed a a blanket. They stood with their backs to their dad, and they literally walked backward into the tent and covered him up so that they didn't have to see, and nobody else had to see their nakedness of their father. And in the end of the story, the Bible says that both of them were blessed by the Lord, but the one who didn't, the one who exposed, the one who didn't respect, he walked with a curse for the rest of his life and all of his descendants walked with the same curse. And let me tell you, could it be that many times you and I don't step into the blessing and the reason is is because we haven't learned the principle that to be a good father, we've got to be a good son. To be a good mother, we've got to be a good daughter. And one of those principles are we learn to respect authority. Why? Because you'll never lose. Let me tell you something. You'll never lose when you honor You'll never lose when you respect. I know that's different than the message you hear now in the culture we live in. The culture we live in, we gotta expose. We gotta tell everybody. Again, I know transparency is important and all of that, but the point I'm making is how many times are there people like you and me and we've been under a spiritual father or mother or someone in our life a coach or mentor, and they've abused their authority or they've done something wrong, and so we've said, well, you know how it goes. The first time, shame on you. The second time, shame on me. I'm never going to do that again. No one's ever going to hurt me again. I'm never going to position myself where someone can do damage in my life, and then we quit living out the principles that position us for God's blessing. Spiritual children, It reminds me of a man by the name of Jacob. And Jacob had a man who was a person that had been placed in his life. He worked in the field of Laban, his father-in-law. And Laban was a knucklehead. Anybody here ever been under a knucklehead? Only that many? Wow, the rest of you are so blessed, man. He was not a good spiritual father. He was abusive. He was manipulative. But you know what's interesting about the story? Jacob left to his next season with all the wealth, with two wives, with 12 kids who became the 12 tribes of Israel. In fact, we know him as Israel, not Jacob. We we know Israel as Israel because of Jacob. Why? He got the blessing because he understood the power of honor and respect. Spiritual children, they're found in the field working. They understand spiritual authority. all still with me? Say amen. amen. I'm going to give you the last point. We're going to land this plane. The last point is spiritual children listen. As soon as I said that, some of you said, huh? Sp- sp- <laughs> sorry. It's just a little family joke. We- Anytime someone talks about like hearing or listening or something, I'm always like, what? And anyway, okay, sorry. Let's read the story again, uh, part of it. First Kings chapter 19, verse 19 through 21. We've kind of read this, but it says this. It says, Elijah went over to him threw his cloak across his shoulders. Elijah left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah. Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. So Elijah returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. I mean, I wish I had time to teach on that part of the story. To kill the things that hold us back from the next season. To to quit holding on. To not leave alive the thing that will follow you into your next season and distract you and slow you. There's a lot of good preaching there. Somebody say amen. But we're not going to preach on that. Okay, so let's keep going. (laughs) Then he went in with Elijah as his assistant. I'm going to tell you, I think this point right here. Listen to me closely. I think this point is the biggest thing that hinders people from receiving and being everything God's destined them to be. It's our unwillingness to listen. In fact, can I show you a cool verse about this whole Elijah spirit? The first coming of Christ we saw that John the Baptist walked in the spirit of Elijah and fulfilled this prophetic word. But we know that the returning of Christ fulfills the fulfillment of this prophetic word. Let's go to Luke chapter 1, verse 17, because I like the way that they define this prophetic word out of Malachi. They do it differently. And it kind of highlights this big point. And he will go on before the Lord, speaking of John the Baptist, who is, who is Elijah, basically, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children. Now look at how it defines turning the hearts of the children to their parents. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Another translation says he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. It's almost as if the the definition or one of the the, the ways that God defines this passage to help us understand it better is he says, listen, I'm not going to send a curse upon the land. I'm going to bless the land because I'm going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and then I'm going to do the same by causing the children to listen to the parents and not be disobedient not be rebellious do you realize that at the beginning of time the first sin can be, reject, can be re- connected to spiritual children rejecting their father the father walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve and then he said hey all of this is yours just not this how many of you have children? How many, when your children were little and you told them all of this is yours, just don't touch this? Anybody here ever struggled with your children listening to you? It's there when they're little. Isn't it interesting that it's there when we're big? So let's kind of break it down. What does it mean to listen? How do we listen? Or receive instruction? Number one, write this down. It's kind of a little subpoint. Spiritual children listen. How? They listen to timing. Listen to timing. Here's basically what we see in the story. Basically, a spiritual father saw a spiritual son and here's what he said. Now's the time. The timing's right, Elisha. You need to step out and go for it, be a spiritual son. You need to to be trained to be a prophet. The time is right. The time is right. Let me tell you something. Spiritual parents, spiritual mentors, coaches in our lives, God gives them the ability to see the things often that we can't see. The timing was right. You know why? Because it was the 12th pair of oxen. That means the plowing was done. If he had left his oxen or he had cut them and, you know, and, and, and served them up as a meal to everybody else...